0: Hello, and welcome to the Storied Arcs podcast. I am your co-host, Mike.
1: I'm your co-host, Alex.
0: And this is the Zero episode for Grass Kings. This is no spoilers, just a look at the series, help you decide, do you want to pick this up uh, and read along with us as we get ready to do a deep dive trade-by-trade for the three trade paperbacks of Grass Kings. So, uh, to start off, I think we'll start with the simple Boom Studios synopsis, which in Alex will dive into Boom Studios a little bit more, but here's what they have to say about the series, which I would gra- I would grant it uh, C minus uh, in terms of a synopsis. But
1: oh, you great in the synopsis? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not the series. No, I yeah. love the
0: series. Uh, the synopsis it says: Elder- eldest brother Robert leads a grief stricken life, having lost his daughter to a tragic accident, followed by his wife disappearing one morning never to return. When an enigmatic young woman named Maria flees to their community in search of safe haven, Robert takes her in. Will his decision lead to ruin and retribution dooming the kingdom? From New York Times best-selling writer Matt Kent, mind management, and Peter Panzerfaust artist Tyler Jenkins, comes a rural mystery series chronicling the tragic lives of the grass kings, three brothers and rulers of a trailer park kingdom, a fiefdom of the hopeless and lost of the desperate poor seeking a promised land. It's a mouthful at the end there. There's I actually lot. think that's a pretty great last sentence.
1: The the last sentence definitely it, it that's um that's a great description of the the setting for the story.
0: Yeah, so there are three buckets yeah. for this. There's the setting, there's the plot and then there are uh how did we 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 the, it? Theme. The, the, the theme, theme yeah. yeah and they're they're not um mixed and matched in the way that you would expect, but the last thing we'll give you here from boom directly is a character synopsis. Now, they give you five characters, ostensibly your five key characters, and I think that's true um. But I think there are probably a couple more that I would cover if I were writing this. But
1: it's definitely true for for the initial the the, the first volume. For the first volume. Yeah, yeah. and and,
0: and there's what you need what you need hitting the yeah. ground, and
1: then you know maybe a couple here and there will drop off. Yeah, it's a previous an encyclopedia. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but but if you know these characters, if you're aware of these characters, kind of going in, this this will be you know helpful. As you jump into the story, you 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 understand what the at least initially what the relationship of everybody is. Uh, to each other before you jump into the story, so I think yeah. it's helpful.
0: Um, Robert, first character, uh, and we—I think Alex and I discovered after finishing the entire series that their last name is King. We think, it's uh, even King. though it's—I uh, think it's in the uh, chronicling the tragic lives of the Grass Kings. Well, again, Grass uh, yeah, Kings. Yeah. So,
1: is that a playoff Grass Kingdom? Because they're monarchs. Or are they the? Yeah. yeah. It it could be all the above. It's it's entirely yeah, possible. Yeah, I think it's all of it. It we, might be.
0: We think that. Anyway, they all wear a king logo, yeah. uh, a crown at some point. But anyway, a middle brother. Robert is a middle brother to Asher and Bruce and leader of the Grass Kingdom. Maintains a tenuous grasp on his rule and his sanity after losing his youngest daughter and subsequently his wife years prior. Bruce, the eldest brother to Robert and Asher, a former sheriff of the town Raven, having left in disgrace... Bruce now patrols the kingdom, acting as its unofficial police force. Asher, youngest brother to Robert and Bruce, more like a son than a sibling. Great synopsis there on Asher. No, that's, that, almost nothing. That's but that's and about all we need to know. It about is that is all you need. Yeah. Uh, basically, if you, if you understand,
1: the end, if you understand his relationship to his brothers and his and know what his brothers' position, what his brothers' positions are in the kingdom, you can really get a sense of the kind of person Asher is and right. what, what, what motivates his actions and, and what motivates his decisions. Um, I, I think you don't need much more than that because he, he doesn't get much more characterization than that, but that's, that's all that, that's everything you need to know. Cause it, it it's, it's uh, uh as it's long as you position. understand
0: that he is related to them, even though he acts like a child, Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. that basically sums it up. Then you have Maria. A mysterious woman who rises from a lake and shows up on Robert's doorstep, who he then helps nurse back to health. Could she be Robert's long-lost daughter returned? And Maria, I would say, is another. She's important in the first arc, uh, not the most important character overall, well, she, but she, she is your.
1: We'll say. Well, I will say she, she's your entry point in because she's, she's your she's, keyhole she's, view yeah, of yeah.
0: the. Gra- it's the reason mm. the, that the kingdom will be exposited yeah, to us. Yeah. Is that we uh, we follow? But the her, her
1: importance, her specific importance, I think, uh, uh, varies. Trade to trade, a trade to trade. I think she's yeah. more important than one. But again, this uh, entry point, a, a little less important in two, more important in three. Again, so yeah. it varies.
0: Then we get Humbert, uh, who we actually learn is Humbert Junior, mm-hmm. uh, evil sheriff of the rival town, Cargill, which sits on the other side of the lake, and has been suspicious of the Grass Kingdom for years, and would like nothing more than to shut down the entire operation that's all we get from boom
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, including currently when the whole series has been out for years uh they've not revisited it that's the initial pitch and they just leave it up
1: and I said I, I think that gives you a good entryway into the first volume i'm not uh, sure it's that uh, it, it, it is a good entryway i'm it, not sure anything there, the first like volume.
0: grabs you
1: uh no um, no i
0: i and do we want to go creative team next or do we want to talk about why we picked up this book um, initially and then for the podcast. Well
1: let's go create a team first. A team. I think I think that, that works with, with yeah, yeah. uh kind of how both of us ended up um picking up the uh the, the the book. Um so yeah books from uh from boom studios it was published um from March 17th to May eighteenth. March 2017. To May, day, 2000, yeah. to May 2018. <laughs> uh it's it's 15 issues and that was uh no skips, no missed months um which is uh pretty awesome pretty incredible. Uh writer is Matt Kent. The artist uh artist full artist for the first uh 8 issues was Tyler Jenkins. Uh starting with issue 9 his wife Hillary came on as colorist uh and Tyler and Hillary now pretty much always work as a team. I think everything they do uh he draws and she she colors/paints. slash uh, And the letter er, letterer is is Jim Campbell. So um Matt Kent is an incredibly accomplished writer. Um, One of the, oh boy, one of the few writers in comics who has not, I'm going to say has not found success with the big two, but has also not sought out success with the big two. He is someone that has worked primarily in independently published comics um, throughout his entire life, his entire career.
0: The, now what? I, yeah, I wrote down his, that he's the indie man's indie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. not a guy who's swinging for the fences with Marvel and DC. No, no. He's he started self-publishing at age seventeen. He's got
1: he's got just a handful of 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 stuff from the big two. I will say one notable one, um, which at the time was published on on Vertigo, uh, DC Vertigo imprint. It's now been reissued under Black Label. Uh, it's a book called Revolver which yeah. is a very interesting very uh uh cool concept book that he's uh, a writer s- and artist with. Yeah,
0: I was to yeah. say, that was yeah. another water the an orange watercolory one." Uh, it's yeah. like lots of orange and reds, it's it, warm it, tones.
1: It, yeah, kind of. It, it uh
0: almost monochromatic with its orange.
1: Mostly monochromatic with, yeah. with 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 dabs here and here of, of uh of color. But the vast majority of his work, I would say um has been has been done with with dark horse. Um to the point where he now uh, just recently um, started up his own imprint at Dark Horse called The Flux House. Um, so he, while he's he, he's written uh, 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 across a number, number of different publishers, um, including Boom, which he, again, which this book is on and, and has worked with Tyler Jenkins, uh, Tyler and Hillary on, on books for both Boom and Dark Horse. Dark Horse is kind of where he is right now. Um, mind Management, probably maybe his best known work um, I would as, say that, as yeah, writer mind artist. Mind
0: Management, uh, especially since it is kicking back up in 2022. Yeah. And it's very long. Mind ma- mind's Management's management Department bootleg. H is up there.
1: Department H, which uh, he, he did with his wife Charlene. And that's Dark Horse as mm, That's well. also Dark Horse. Yeah. Um, he has written a number of books, uh, a series of books um, called Ether with uh, artist David Rubin at... at at Dark Horse, I think there have been two or three different, like six Aethers. issue miniseries. Yeah, yeah Ethers. Uh, uh, in that world, um, which are which are are very very cool and very and trippy. Kind of,
0: we'll, we'll, when we cover a Dark Horse project, we'll get into that. But that's kind of Dark Horse's wheelhouse, right? Is yeah, like they're, they're you not... build a little universe and you tell pocket stories yeah. in it.
1: There's not a lot of like. 85 issue runs of right. something it's it, it, uh, it, and, and it, it subsequently
0: is very difficult for some readers to follow black camera be. being mm-hmm. that way mm-hmm. you know
1: um kent is also uh, uh, starting a few years back he was like the main writer at valiant when valiant relaunched their entire line right. um valiant is a publisher that i have to admit i have never read a single comic from um but 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 they have been out there they, they've they been out there. i think it started in in the late 80s 89 i think it was started by uh jim shooter former editor-in-chief at uh at marvel and they've been publishing they have their whole their own universe of of superhero comics of characters um like exo man of War, War, um, no bloodshot bloodshot yeah, i've read uh, okay Rai, so I, I read lamir's bloodshot yeah yeah so so he, they, they um in 2017 or something like that i think or around the 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 mid-2010s they kind of did a revamp Valiant did of their whole line and and kent did a, a a whole bunch of stuff with them uh writing a whole bunch of uh, characters and uh did that for, for for several years i think to about 2018 2019 so yeah he's um uh you know uh you're most likely to find him dark horse boom Things like that. Um,
0: uh, Top Shelf is another one. He, he's done some work for done a little
1: bit for Top Shelf. Top Shelf is now owned by a smidge uh, for bad idea. Uh, <laughs> bad idea was a real bad idea. Yeah. Um, Top Shelf um, I think is now owned by IDW. Um, okay. So, um, but yeah, you know, um, specifically with uh, with Tyler Jenkins after after Grass Kings, you know, he did uh, a book Fear Case. Uh, actually, I think he did Black Badge first. Black Badge uh, and Fair uh, at, yeah. at, at Boom, and then Case at Dark Horse. And it's, I think going forward, I think the vast majority, if not all of Kent's work is going to be, his creator-owned work is going to be on Dark Horse going forward. Yeah. So um, he's someone that, uh, you know, here is this, is Grass King's a story that he just wrote, didn't write and draw, but he is someone who cartoons and, and does his own stuff. He has a style that is actually not unlike Tyler Jenkins' style. You know,
0: very similar. In fact, yeah. Um, yeah, I the first time I picked up something that Matt Kent had done, it was something that he wrote and drew, and I grabbed it because I thought it was Jeff Lemire's work. Yeah, Jeff. Lemire and so that's another else. one mm-hmm. in that same uh, rough sketch, watercolors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I love the ability of a writer who can depict visually what he wants to write. But also knows how to trust another artist with it. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's a rare breed. I,
1: I think I think it's got it's got to be tough for some guys. And and I I always wonder specifically with those guys, with those writers who also do their work, do their own work, writing and drawing their own things. I wonder what their scripts are like. Like if you know, I'm sure some of these guys know. Yeah, and a lot of the guys we, we, we end up talking about who write and draw their own stuff and also write for other people. Um, a lot of times work with the same artists over and over again, people they're familiar with. So right. I'm sure they get to a shorthand of uh of what their scripts look like. But I I do wonder if Which if, probably if,
0: doesn't translate very well to the big two, right? Because uh, yeah, probably you not. may yeah. not even get to meet the artist you're working with. Yeah. Because his longest stint uh he just as far as I know, he's never done anything with Marvel. His longest stint with D C was twenty thirteen and fourteen. He did six issues in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um which is probably one contract right it's, it's probably like probably one arc yeah you write a you a six issue arc uh, you give us a script we'll handle everything else and i say, so may it, not have yeah, even you, seen you, the final product
1: your scripts for the big two are vaccinated but I, I i do wonder when when you're working with even a guy that you you, you somebody's familiar with like Tyler jenkins he's done multiple projects with i wonder if his scripts you know include it, it, I wonder if they include more or less detail which way which way it goes in terms of mm. in terms of visually yeah. either he has an idea of what he of how he would do it does he does right. he does he say or does he know
0: or does Tyler he, so well that he's like exactly, if I tell him this he'll do that
1: exactly yeah. do I, is it a less is more thing or if i just describe what it is i know what i'm going to get or do i say this is what i have pictured in my head do your version of it because right. it could it, I could see it going that way too.
0: I I could um, easily see it. So when we get them on the podcast for an interview, yeah, we'll we'll um hit them up about that. Definitely.
1: So actually mentioned the artist is Tyler Jenkins. Um Tyler is a Canadian illustrator. He has worked mainly independently. I the, the first big thing he did was Peter Panzerfost with writer Curtis Weeby. Uh I have never read that. I've never seen that. Uh I'm not familiar with that. Um, oh,
0: I'm. it's it's uh it's an acclaimed book. Yeah. Um it's hard to get your hands on. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, you, I mean, you can buy it digitally. Digitally, now. maybe you know, um, maybe there's no scarcity. Library something like that, yeah. Uh, but you will not find single issues of. That. They're not expensive. They're just there's a not low there. print number. They're not
1: there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of his notable work has been through Boom. Um, like I said, this book here and Black Badge, both with uh, with uh, with Matt Kent. Um, King of Nowhere with uh, writer W. Maxwell Prince and a book called Snowblind with uh, writer Ollie Masters. Um, you know, it's, uh, he works in, a, in the watercolor, watercolor style, um, something that we'll talk about a lot uh, throughout the, uh, the discussion of, of Grass Kings. And whether it's him coloring and painting or it, it's his wife, Hillary, there is just, uh, there's really a, a lushness and a, and a beautiful Beautiful setting to it. And um, for
0: whatever reason, I mean, and I guess you could probably deduce this in reverse, but I'm just going to call it out. For whatever reason, uh, watercolorists are some of my favorite artists, and the big two never use watercolors.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I, and, and it's probably a house-style thing. I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: just, I'm trying to think of an exception. Uh, I think it's just too hard to imitate, and long-running superhero story arcs don't want to be – Inked for six, watercolored for six, yeah. back to ink. Um, even if you're changing artists, you want some degree of continuity.
1: It's, for it to happen, it has to be like a limited miniseries. Um, like off the top of my head, I can think of recently um, a. Pearl. Well, th- well, no, no, well, no, 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 well, that that that's not Gatos. That's that that's uh, that's Bendis' thing. I was thinking of of Robin and Batman. It was a three issue miniseries. And that's Jeff Lemire. That was Lemire and, and, and Dustin, Dustin Wynn. Wynn. Yeah. yeah, So it's got to be something self contained. You're not going to have. You're rarely going to see that jumping in on. A, and that was
0: not part of the main continuity. In yeah, any that, way. That, that, that was, that's an outside one-off. miniseries thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, so yeah. So you know, it's a style that you're you're really not going to see um, mainly at the big two and superhero books. It just it's, it's it's it doesn't fit with the house style. So you y- you have to go somewhere to a creator owned independent publisher um and that gets you the the great diversity in 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 art style and art look um and it's something that that doesn't look like anything else on the on the shelf right now. So and like I said um he, uh Tyler was the sole credited artist for the first 8 issues and then his wife Hillary was was brought on as colorist uh from issue 9 on. Um, And then finally, the last member of the team is Jim Campbell, the letterer. Um, He has done an incredible amount of work for Boom, um, including Black Badge, the other series that that, that, uh, this creative team has done together, plus uh, a book called Joyride that I really liked, Um, the Firefly books, which are at Boom, Giant Days, which is one of my favorite, favorite comics. Um, um, But. He's pretty much if it's a, a major book from Boom, it, it, he's pretty much going to be the guy who uh, who who has lettered it. So,
0: um, and he has a high reverence for the style of Kenton Jenkins. Yeah,
1: he works really well with those guys. He
0: can fit a lot of words on a page without obscuring any yeah. of the art. Yeah, I think. And I think that's a really delicate tricky balance
1: and i I think it's it's no wonder that you know he's he's someone who's worked them before has experience with them and probably will continue working with them down the line whenever he can um and and, you know they there are some really really cool and interesting um lettering choices throughout grass kings to depict kind of different times like there's a time when it goes to like newsprint like a typewriter style yes and you know it's very clear and obvious uh uh to the reader that this isn't narration or thoughts. This is like you're reading the, the text of something that was printed before. And, right. and they, he makes choices like that. And I I think it comes with familiarity with the, uh, with the people you're working with, the, the person writing the script and the person uh, delivering the art, you know what to expect. And, and you can come to the best way to integrate that into a, uh, into a seamless story.
0: Yeah. And so I've just got, a couple things to add here, and then a couple clips from an interview uh, that we will link to the full interview with uh, Kent and Jenkins on our site. Um, the o- other thing that I wanted to note, uh, which I think we did note, is that Kent, while a writer, is also a formidable artist on his own. Uh, and my uh, footnote for that is see Black Hammer 45, mm-hmm. uh, which he wrote and illustrated. Yeah. Um, and that is is his style, you would look at that and first of all, you'd flip through it and think Black Hammer is Jeff Lemire's universe. This could easily be Jeff Lemire's art. Uh, And you would flip through it and say, this could easily be Tyler Jenkins. Stylistically. Mm -hmm. uh, If you put them all side by side, you can distinguish the three artists. uh, For sure. But if you're a fan of one, you're going to like the other. Um, Style-wise, and this is relevant for Grass Kings, uh, Kent... Seems to have a proclivity for mystery detective style, but not noir. They're not, yeah. They're not the old timey. They're always in new and kind of modern settings. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, Department H, Mind Management, Grass Kings. Uh, I have not finished reading Black Badge. I can't speak to that. Uh, but there's almost always some mystery, some sleuthing going around. Yeah, but I mean, even and, as there are other elements, and and
1: and. and- there, I, I can say Black Badge has that. Fear Case has that. Whether the whether the characters themselves are like specifically cops it, or detectives or whatnot, right. um, there there is there is always some element. Yeah, in the of same
0: that. way that like Harry Potter is always a sleuthing yeah, thing, yeah. even yeah. though none of them are detectives yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. kind yeah. of idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kent also likes flashbacks a lot uh, as a storytelling device. Books like Department H, he will juggle two narrati- two separate narratives. On one page at the same time. Well, so one and, and one, you'll be advancing a story visually while a backstory will be playing in someone's head in the text bubbles. And I think that's where when you find a Jim Campbell who is able to distinguish, like, here's the text that's moving forward in the character's head as they do this unrelated task and we're pushing both stories forward at the same time, that's where you find partnerships that you just
1: lock in. Yeah, yeah. And and, and y- y- you say flashbacks, and I think it is mostly flashbacks, but he really does like to play with with time and the framing of time, whether it's something like Department H, say, Timeline's on the same page. Um, the book he did for DC Vertigo, Revolver, um, is the premise of the story is that the main character every single day wakes up in a different – he alternates between what he thinks is his regular reality and then a parallel reality where basically the world has ended. And every single day he's interacting with the same people in his life, but he wakes up one day and he has the experience in one world. He goes to sleep, wakes up, and now he's back in the other day. And every day goes back and forth and he's trying to figure out how to maneuver, how to maybe fix one world – and save the other, or vice versa. He's trying to figure out which one is the quote-unquote real world, but he's learning things from, from, from both timelines, and he has to do that at the same time. So the idea that these things are happening, he likes to play with time and explore that, um, both as a plot device and also as a narrative storytelling story telling device. Right. He likes, there's always some element of that, typically in his stories.
0: Yeah, and, and Grass Kings is no exception. Grass mm-hmm. Kings will almost always open... On a shot in the past, at least early on, mm-hmm. with a narration in the present, yes, and that's the juxtaposition mm-hmm. that Kent really thrives yeah. in. Yeah. The last thing I'll note about Kent for now is that he has multiple Eisner nominations, no wins yet. Yeah, yeah. which he's Grass long Kings. overdue.
1: Grass Kings was an Oscar uh, and an Eisner nominated book.
0: It was, yep. and it didn't win. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. To me, he feels like one of those people, like Leonardo DiCaprio with his Oscar, <laughs> like. When he finally gets it, we're going to be like, on that book? Yeah, it'll be. It, uh, it'll be like. His, uh, it'll be like. His Scent of a Woman.
1: We know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: we, we know that he was overdue, so we're just going to give it to him on whatever he does next. Um, nothing against The Revenant, yeah. which I deeply enjoyed and DiCaprio deserved, yeah. but yada yada. But he deserved one long before. But that.
1: a lot of things against Scent of a Woman, because Al Pacino had many, many better, better roles than that. But, For sure. But yeah, um, it, you know, and, and, and I. You know, it, 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 what do you think of the Eisners? By the way, do you? Uh, I, I generally like them because <laughs> this sounds funny. I generally like the Eisners because they aren't fan voted. Um, okay. Because you have to be a member of the comic industry. You have to be a a writer, artist, inker, letterer, a publisher, an editor, a professional like a uh, you run a store or whatnot, um, publication wise. So you, it's people who 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 are in the comic industry giving awards to comic people. So in that way, it's a little insular like the Oscars are. And the Oscars always have this problem of like, no one's seen these movies. They don't like the box office. But then I'm of the general opinion that like fans are stupid, like present company included. So like what I like shouldn't be any like barometer for what's actually good. Like I I actually. And and that doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I like what I like. Like. If like I know what kind of writers I like I know what kind of artists I like, I don't care if they are good writers or bad writers or good artists, or bad, but someone who's who does it for a living like you should be able to judge what you think is good and bad. And so I don't do that. And so, I actually
0: do like the barometer of uh, when someone wins an Eisner, yeah. I know what it means. Yeah. And I learned something about my taste based on how I interact with the Eisner winning material. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, and more often than not, uh, I can't remember a time when I picked up an Eisner winning book and was disappointed. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, that's not always the case. I'll pick up uh, some Pulitzer prize winning books and I'm like, I, I, I think I can guess why you liked this, but it, it was not deserving of yeah, any award, let alone that award.
1: I think with the Eisners and with comics, um, if, if you're if you're if you have the open the right kind of right mindset, you 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 don't you're not going to enjoy every book because not every story is going to be for you, and that's fine. Maybe the yeah. art style isn't for you, but I think you can be able to appreciate why something was nominated or why something won, even if the art style isn't for you. You can look at it and understand the the technical level of why this was why why this was 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 awarded or honored even if it isn't a style that you happen to like Right, and you know that that happens all the time and i think that's that's a good thing about comics and that, yeah, that ha- not Yeah everyone... I mean, that
0: happens with Oscars and Emmys yeah. and Grammys and Yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and and I, I i you know i had a a conversation relatively recently which may not be recent for when you're listening to this but with my brother we were he was throwing back some art from the 90s comic book art from the 90s and it's so ridiculous it was the height of the of of the guys who ended up leaving for Image, you know, Liefeld, Jim Lee, Welsh, um, McFarland, all those guys. You know, they were. He was talking about how ridiculous some of these the, the the these character designs looked, and I was like, "Well, that was the state of the art. Like that's what that's just what it was." And he was like, "Yeah, I know." It's still kind of depressing to look back at, but
0: but it's but, a bummer but, to read arcs yeah, like that. But I also but, appreciate knowing which decade I'm holding just by grabbing
1: yeah, it. Yeah, but. Because of that, um, that kind of like homogeneous nature of like everything looks this way. You know, all the characters are designed the way. Everyone has a similar style across the board. um, That basically broke comics and it almost destroyed the industry. But you start getting to now you can have much more incredibly varied art. You have much more, many more options now. Um, which I think allows more people to look at it and be like, "Well, I don't like this, I don't like that, but I really like this over here." But and, I think and some if, of
0: the internet it, has helped that a lot too, because well, you it, and I can it, it, access it, previews for things. It's it's well, it, as opposed to you know, in the '90s, well, it was it um, was a,
1: you, the previews are still printed. It's a book you could order. Right, yeah, it's and a had, book you could order. And you had Wizard magazine, right?
0: Um, um, but it was it was harder to see obscure things from indie publishers. Well they also um, they also weren't cuz sh- your local shop may not have an obligation to order any of it. And,
1: and then they, they that wasn't well it also it also didn't really exist back then, you know. It took it took image in the early 90s to 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 kind of yeah, force down the in hand. '89, 89 89, Yeah, so yeah. they're 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 bubbling there and you know, it was it was it was rare, but that kind of market share took a while to 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 even be a thing. Um and it started with a place like Image where that gave creators you know, the the rights and it gave them a great deal uh to 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 do the book that they wanted to do in the way they wanted to do it. Um but yeah so you know with something like the Eisners they can now they have such a wide range of styles and books, just right. a humongous range to pull from. Yeah. You know, you you what they happen to 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 land upon as nominees and and as winners, it's it probably not always going to be your style. But I said I think you if you appreciate the the art form of comics right. storytelling. Well, and story when you
0: consider how much is out there now, you yeah. understand why yeah. Matt Kent can, can be respected by everyone yeah. and not yet have won. Yeah, but you also see like your guy Tom King yeah. pulling in multiple Eisner mm-hmm. nominations every year. Yeah, not yeah. not multiple over the course of his career. Yeah. Every year, he's got multiple books on the he slate. He has a book out there, and yeah. it's always which Tom King book this year? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to give something uh, to you know,
1: Mitch Garrett as an artist? You know, but also I think the the not just specific to Eisner nominations or wins for for Matt Kent, but a guy who can have the career he's had, the success he's had, the notoriety he's had without having without relying the big on, two yeah. sex you know the, the success there you know it was always the Kirk Robert Kirkman thing always said you know it was what you're supposed to do is you know the, the, the path is make your first comic you get out there you get a name from there you go to the one of the big two you get, you get put on a big book that gets your name. That gets your audience bigger. Then you leave. Right. You go to Image and you do your book, the one that you own. After you've built an audience somewhere else, right? You know, they said that was that was the path to go. Um, and I think for the most and, part,
0: it still is. And, I mean, and, that's- and a lot of guys
1: do that path, and that and 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 it's lucrative. It's because you know when you're working for the big two, you mean you got you got a paycheck coming in. You, you your, your name gets out there. People are seeing it on a regular basis, and you hope that translates over when you do your own. Your own creator, own stuff, but a guy like Matt Kent didn't do that, you know. Now, right. n- not saying he hasn't done he hasn't done kind of IP work because again, Valiant is their own superhero universe. So he's written superheroes, he's right. written in connected universes. He's done no, that no, but he's
0: never had anything that's going to be adapted to film or TV. Yeah, uh, nothing that became like. Although uh, he could, though some people of his shipping books, them all off to CGC. Oh yeah, some no, of his it, books, all of his stuff could be could be adapted. I don't
1: know about Grass Kings would be a little weird. It, no, um, I think it'd be a good miniseries. Yeah, maybe so, um, maybe so.
0: Especially you know with some of the tweaks that you and I suggest. Uh, uh, yeah. The Final cutting room. Yeah. In terms of just knowing where you're going, maybe uh, so maybe from so. the so. end. But maybe so. uh, enough on Matt aside to say that he uh, lives in St. Louis and my old comic shop there, which is now called Apotheosis on South Grand in Tower Grove. Uh, he occasionally made an appearance there. I did not appreciate his work enough when I lived there back in 2013, 14, 15. Uh, now I would totally geek out <laughs> if he walked into the shop that I was in. Uh, so that's just uh, a raw hand I was dealt by feet. Um, Tyler Jenkins, I have not nearly as much information on. This dude is like a grass king. <laughs> he like lives off the grid he His own website, uh, which he links to from his Twitter bio, is non-existent. It's <laughs> just down. He's not maintained it. Uh, his Image Comics wiki has no personal history. is completely empty. So I had to comb through interviews uh, and get a little bit of information because I wanted to get inside his head since we're doing this podcast on uh, uh, something that's so iconic for him. And uh, in, in an interview with Multiversity Comics, he revealed that he has a Bachelor of Design in visual communication with a major in illustration, he did not say from where, but like from him, that's like a whole biography. Uh, he is Canadian, um, and I, I don't know where in Canada. I don't, I don't think either. it's Toronto. I don't think so. Um, not certain. But anyway, the the book Grass Kings actually came about as Tyler's idea, and the quote is: "He said, you know, the initial thought was simply my reaction to thinking about the loss of a child, so that." particular grief that particular pain uh he went to matt kent and said i would love to illustrate a story this is the idea maybe he had some concept art kind of fleshed out and said this is the pain that i want to wrestle with can you write a story around this and grass kings is what they came up with and there's a great uh longer interview uh, about its reaction to society and things like that, which I don't want to get into spoilers for our podcast or for what you'll read. So I'm going to leave that in our show notes at storytarcs.com. You can check that out. But there are a couple comments that I thought were really interesting from Tyler Jenkins that I thought just illuminated his style. Just two snippets from that interview. He mentioned that doing covers is more challenging. He doesn't like covers. And if you'll notice, this is also kind of a Boom Studios thing. There are no variants. No, there are variants. There are variants. Yeah. Not until later, uh, but it's it's all variants by the same creative team. They're not just farming out variants. Yeah. You to, know, Matt Kent um, because a bunch of other people because
1: Matt is an artist himself. Uh, the the most of the variants are by. But are it's by not Matt
0: Kent. ten different variants. It's not foil no, variants. No. It's just you know here's here's one variant here and there. And Tyler doesn't like doing covers, and they said no. You know, why are covers more challenging? And he says this, and this is all quoting Tyler, because it's not about the acting. My focus is I love portraying the acting and the performances in the story capturing emotions, whereas covers are more metaphorical or iconic. They have to summarize. They're not part of the narrative, and I think that's why I find them more difficult. End quote. Now, I thought that was a fascinating insight. I never thought about that with covers. In fact, uh, I've always expected covers to reveal something about the story to capture part of the narrative, and for the most part, especially in the big two, they frequently don't, especially when you get into Variance. No, Variance it, is just like, look at this pretty picture.
1: Co- yeah, co- um, co- covers it, it, it's it's a rarity when the cover action depicted actually has something to do with the story. Yeah, you know, even and even if the person doing the cover is the person who did the interiors, who personally knows what the story is, a lot of times they are unconnected. Um, yeah. most times it's just, yeah, most times and it's just, says,
0: I don't like it. He's yeah. like, I want anything I draw to be part of the narrative arc yeah. Yeah. to be moving the story or the characters mm-hmm. forward. And the covers don't do that yeah. yet. The covers are what sell the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, at least early on, that's what moves a book off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, then they get into the way he draws characters, which by the way, I, I note, I think in, in episode one, we'll point out the character who basically looks exactly like Tyler Jenkins. Yes. Um, But the interviewer said, well, what are you looking for in the way characters behave in their facial foibles? Are you looking for anything specific in terms of acting? And Tyler Jenkins says myself in a mirror more than anything. And I suppose some of the performances probably influenced by old sixties and seventies war movies where they weren't, uh, they weren't overacted. They were iconically acted. I think, the characters aren't stereotypes, but heroes are heroes. You know, more than anything, it's about channeling my love of those older movies and watching myself in the mirror acting it out. And quote, and so what I think is interesting about that is he likes a simple kind of raw, earnest nature to it. If you compare the acting in *Bridge on the River Kwai* to the acting in *Saving Private Ryan*, *Saving Private Ryan* is. Uh, much grittier. People are much more intense. Every line has big. this fiercity and bigness it's big, to it. Intense, yeah. And it's like uh, when you see people behave like that in real life, it's kind of cheesy. They look ridiculous, right? It's like you're really like uh, I was going to say hamming it up.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, they, 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 they it, it seems wildly unnatural. Even though it's
0: life. so good to watch. Yes, right. Yeah, it's yeah. so good to watch. And Tyler Jenkins is like, I like that. Here's the line I'm delivering it. Like I didn't uh you know, I didn't uh live in a trailer and eat glass for 3 days in method acting school uh and do all this other stuff like I got paid to say this line while holding a cigarette and sitting here in my
1: And I think I think I think apparel. with that in mind when you look at and read Grass Kings there is a
0: unadorned Yeah, there's kind yeah. of a there
1: is kind of a retro feel to it. There is there is a sense of that yeah that these are regular normal people and i don't and, think that, and,
0: and i think that matches Kint's style too they don't speak mm-hmm. in a flowery way they're not overly expressive sometimes they don't even say as much as you would like them to say mm-hmm. in terms of just trying to follow yeah, them yeah. Um, and i
1: think most for the most part with the, i think early on i think we talk about humbert's a bit of a caricature a bit yeah, but then they th- surprised me yeah um, but but for the most they surprised part me again. for the they most got part both times for the, for the most part the the rest of the characters yeah no one is really a a, a, a trope no one is no one is and no
0: one's a shining hero and no, no one's like a pure evil villain no. everyone is various shades of gray we definitely gray. talk
1: about how they're you know obviously there are always protagonists and antagonists, but that doesn't mean there are good guys and bad guys. Right. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And there's no, mm-hmm. and in fact, I think if you find yourself gravitating towards a character in this, it's going to say more about you than it does about the book. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like I think another analogy is, uh, that Alex brings up later is like watching the wire Yeah. where it's like, you know, the good, uh, the ostensive good guys are kind of dirty and some of the bad guys have really good motives. Um, or do kind of heroic or selfless things. And so you just always have to choose. So anyway, that's um, that's Tyler Jenkins. And I think those couple quotes and the rest of that interview really sums him up well. I think we covered Jim Campbell pretty well. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I, I, there's not much more that I can say other than the fact that these two guys, Matt and Tyler, work together. Their names are on the front cover and Hillary. Mm-hmm. And they consistently continue to work with Jim Campbell. Yeah because he's delivering exactly mm-hmm. what their storytelling and their art delivers. There's yeah. nothing worse than jarring or generic lettering that looks like it wasn't part of the creative effort. Yeah. Yeah. There
1: and, and there there Jim there there needs to be a familiarity there with who's writing it and then how it's you know what the artwork's going to look like when you're placing the letters on there. Um to have have an idea of what the artist is going to be doing uh so it it can all work it can all work together. Um
0: yeah. So final question, I guess before we wrap this your episode is what drew you to this uh, initially? And then when I, I think I pitched doing this one in the podcast, yeah, yeah. what, uh, what made you?
1: Uh, for me, it was the art because I had read maybe right before this book came out um, on a whim. I had read the book Snowblind, um, which is a book that Tyler Jenkins had done on, uh, for boom with, uh, Ollie masters. Uh, Ollie masters is a, a, a writer that I was familiar with, but I, I think I picked this up like on a, a sale at comiXology. Like it was, the trade was on sale. Oh for, really? And I just, I saw oh, the trade. Okay. it. I, just, I saw the trade for, for, for the Snowblind, And I was like, this looks really good. Um, the art style reminded me, uh, at the time it reminded me of Sean Phillips. Um, who, oh, yeah, you know, sure. um, that, 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 that watercolor style. And so, uh, was probably on sale for some ridiculously low price and so i bought it digitally this book snow blind and read it uh i i enjoyed it i thought the art was beautiful and then when i saw grass kings i think something in my back mind was like that looks familiar i wonder if the same guy um because because okay. at that point i had not read any of matt Kin's stuff that i had known of like you know when this book came out in, right. in early 2017 so i hadn't read anything like department h my management anything like that um so this I think was the first time I had read anything by Matt Kent. And so it was it was simply the, the uh the watercolor art. Um and going from going based solely off of that and thinking, this book looks really good. And so I'll give yeah. it a shot. And then and then really loving the world they had built, and then from there knowing more, like, oh, Matt can, I've heard that name before and seeing the other things he had done and other things I had seen and been aware of uh, and seeing the other kind of creators he had worked with. Um, and so, uh, you know, starting at one spot with the artist and moving in through kind of the rest of both of their kind of full bit, uh, you know, uh, uh, their, their full kind of library of, uh, of 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 comics.
0: Yeah. And I had basically a similar story. I. I wasn't anticipating it, but I went in on a Wednesday, new comic day, saw Grass Kings 1, and I always go to the indie section and always look for first issues. I'm like, what's my next obsession? Um, And the art drew me in. Uh, Grass Kings 1, it's simple, unadorned. Uh, It looked like it's not going to be capes and heroes, which it isn't. Uh, It was just, it's like watching an indie movie, uh, which I think is kind of, it's like seeing the poster for a movie. It's like looking yeah. at the first cover and one and yeah, saying definitely. like, yeah, I'll spend an hour of my life, you know, watching that movie or mm-hmm. whatever. And that's basically how I landed there. And then I had mixed emotions going through the series. I really liked the first arc. I stumbled a bit on the second arc and then I really loved the way it ended. And I have not picked it up since it originally came out. You neither, have I. And so I suggested it. I was like, you know, we're doing this, anything I'd like to rotate publishers. I'd like to, talk about more creators and i think this is a really great one because it was my introduction to matt kent even though i've now read mind management department H, yes yes some same. other stuff yeah, I've, re- uh, I've gone back to most my, of his stuff this is my entry point into him mm-hmm. uh and i felt very fond of it so yeah. that's basically uh all i have to say before we dive into volume one
1: yeah no i think it's uh i think uh i think the last thing we'll say real quick just on because I, I don't know you know the Whoever's listening right here, maybe not totally familiar with a publisher like Boom. Depending on when they've came into comics and 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 how much they've read, I think a lot of people know Image. You know, they are you know the number one independent publisher. Um, you know, they uh, back in the day, Image had about ten to twelve percent of the market share. You know, it, you know um, this is kind of going off of pre-COVID numbers. Um, on any given month, you could really look at you could break down the comic market um most generally by 45% of the sales units sold um in north america this is in north america us and canada um 45% of the of the market share is going to be marvel books 35 is going to be dc 10 image and 10 everybody else yeah that's 100 right 45 35 10 10 let's say yes it is now um so the those were all given, you know, plus or minus three or four percentage points per month, but that's right. generally what it was. Um, and then in 2018, 2019, um, Image lost two major books. Uh, Saga went on hiatus for three and a half years, and The Walking Dead ended very abruptly. Huge,
0: 193 issues. Yeah, and they they, they it ended,
1: ended very abruptly. And, Marvel, and Saga, it's not Saga, Saga's back now, but Image has, ever since then, they've been like, really pushing to try what's the next big thing what's the next walking dead what's the next saga and they were doing that the whole time saga was gone and they didn't find it and now saga's back but they're always been looking for that and while that in that time frame that was you know 2018 2019 um there was kind of a, a a bit of a hole in in some of the independent publishing and i think boom is the publisher that really stepped up um, prior to them, I think they were mostly considered. Um, they had a bunch of different, bunch of different imprints like Boombox, Arcania, and like Boombox was a really kind of a, a, a younger reader YA line. Right. Um, so still a lot of really good books there, um, but but
0: now they've got. I mean, and they, for years they've had like Over the Garden Wall mm-hmm. and uh, some some popular things that people who are not really comic readers will come. For over the garden wall adventure time, right? I think so boom boom as well. Well they comic.
1: They, they, they also have um, they have Power Rangers for in terms of IP and oh, yeah. and the Power Rangers are massively successful and they have done uh, some really incredible work in terms of tying all the multiple different Power Rangers, like it's it's a whole crazy multiverse thing going on with them. No idea, but the people who love it really love it. Um, they also have all the Wienverse stuff, Buffy, Angel, Firefly. Uh, yes, they publish all of that, that. as well. Um and then, you know, as as image was looking for a next big hit, an- another huge kind of tentpole uh 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 comic, a title, um Boom landed a handful of them. Like they landed once in Future with uh, by Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora, and they landed maybe one of the biggest books in the last four or five years, which is Something Is Killing the Children. Yeah. Uh Jamestown the Fourth and Worther de Dera. Um few years earlier those definitely would have been image books you know yes. those that come out in 2013 2014 2015 they would have been image books but when they come out in in 2019 2020 2021 they are now at boom and and those are some of the biggest sellers something that's killing the children is 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 one of the the the, the craziest biggest sellers in in that we've seen in comics like you know, shocking yeah that, it's just that whole sh- just shocking and that whole universe is spinning off other books and 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 it, it's just and it's
0: which I think Image is now trying with uh, Radiant Black.
1: They are. They've, they are.
0: They've launched, which is good. Yeah, they, they, um, it's
1: it's a fine book, and they ha, they have a universe built around that. But they were chasing that. They were chasing a book exactly like Something Is Killing the Children. That right. is exactly the kind of book Image would have tried to have gotten, and the fact that they didn't. I don't know if it speaks to image or what what image is or isn't or isn't doing or what boom is doing, but that's something that boom got. And Grass Kings came around just at the just just when I think they were starting their ascent. Right as image was maybe starting to level off, maybe drop a level, drop a little bit, but definitely level off. Boom in 2017, 2018 was just starting. to to ascend and and get more of that market share. And I think Grass Kings comes right at the beginning of that. And it's the first time. And it's a shame
0: to me that the small indie publishers have to cannibalize each other. The fact that they're fighting over the same 10% slice of the pie, basically. And DC and Marvel, no matter how much they phone it in, no matter how much mediocrity they're cranking out, will have their market share. Yeah, 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 Um, yeah
1: well i I'm not, I'm not crying too much for image. Image is their own they're thing. doing fine, and yeah.
0: Image now has a writers' union, which I think yeah. is a, a, a strong step for They have a creator's a,
1: union. they have a creators union the people yeah. who not writers and artists, but like the editors, the people who work in the okay. the, the publishing yeah, yeah. side there but no they, they're, it, 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 I, I, th- I just think it's indicative of um there has been a bit of a shift on there thats you know and said Matt Kent, you know he has his own imprint at Dark Horse now. So, so, you know, all of his stuff going forward, I think, is going to be on Dark Horse. So, you know, the, there is, there is a, a larger push that there are more avenues um, through creator-owned and, and smaller press independent publishing comics besides just Image. Now, Image is still a, a behemoth, and they still have a really good deal, and people who work there absolutely love it. Um, and some of these guys will still do work with them. But I think the fact that there are more options out there the fact that there are—it's
0: better for creators. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. a little harder on fans, but in this day and age, it's yeah. really not any different.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you well, know, I it,
0: go to my shop. It doesn't matter whether Boom or Image made it. Yeah. I'm going to grab it.
1: Exactly, exactly. But but there are some people who you know they 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 never read a Boom. Like I said, I mentioned I've never read a, a book by Valiant. I've never ever read a Valiant book. And That's some people crazy to me. Have never read a, a, a you know don't even maybe n- are familiar with a, a publisher like Boom or AfterShock or Black Mask or something like that. You know, um, but the that these publishers are out there and, and you know, we're going to try to highlight them. I think this is a, an It'll interesting. Be a while
0: before we get to drawn in quarterly yeah, and quarterly. Yeah. Some of the smaller, yeah. but I think, uh, I think this, this, this Titan. I think
1: this, this book, grass Kings is an interesting start uh, to look at something like boom. Cause again, I think it's, it was, you know, you can almost think of boom, like kind of like your, 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 Prestige TV, kind of like your AMC kind of thing. They they don't got a whole lot of stuff out there, but the stuff yeah. they do have is really, really good. Whereas but, I think Image well, it, is like you know, image, focus
0: features. No, I, was, I would
1: say Image would have been like HBO. That's, it's oh, yeah. it's all still very Prestige, It's but everybody knows that stuff. Everybody's seen that. Right, right. As good as something like Breaking Bad or Mad Men or Better Call Saul are, like the The actual number of people who watch those shows is still incredibly small, regardless of how good it actually is. Yeah, a lot of people watch HBO, and HBO still does a lot of really good stuff. And that's the that's the the mainstream idea of what prestige yeah, is, and that's that that's kind of what Image is. And and someone like Boom um, and these other publishers are, are are smaller like that. And this is this I think is I said it's an early salvo for Boom of kind of stepping their game up and saying this is something that we can. We can we can challenge for um, a different type of storytelling, a different type of book, different type of look. You know, something that that maybe would have been an image before, maybe image would have passed on it. But you know, right. more publishers, more avenues for creators, uh, and and I think this is a, this is a, an interesting one to start with for people who maybe haven't uh, aren't familiar with with a publisher like Boom. For
0: sure, and you can find the links to buy the collected editions this on our website, uh, which is storiedarcs.com. Uh, Where you can also find us for social media, Facebook, you can join our discussion group, Twitter, you can yell at us in real time for our mistakes and errors, and Instagram, where we will always be sharing updates, linking you to creators' profiles, things like that, so you can keep tabs on these creators. And storiedarts.com is where you will find our podcast, where you can stream it directly from there, or find it on your favorite podcast channel or app. And without any further ado, we highly recommend Kings. Pick up Volume 1 and meet us back
1: next week. Peace.